Hi, I'm Simon Hill, and you're watching Purebred Reds, Adelaide United Fan TV. Are you after the latest and greatest football kits, boots, goalkeeper gear, team wear, accessories, or equipment? Look no further than South Australia's very own soccer specialty store, Soccer Locker. An Australian-owned and operated business, the store is located at Shop 5 of 181 to 183 Grange Road, Findon. Founded in 2012, Soccer Locker was introduced into the market to fulfil all the soccer-related needs of Australians, providing a huge range of quality clothing and equipment, ranging from soccer balls, team kits, goalkeeper gear, accessories and much more. As well as stocking all current football merch from your favourite overseas teams, recently arrived stock also includes stunning retro kits from some of our favourite past eras as fans of the world game. So get shopping now at our Finden store, open from Monday to Friday and open Saturdays from 9am to 3pm. Or visit us online and take advantage of free shipping from across Australia at soccerlocker.com.au. G'day guys and welcome to the Purebred Reds, Adelaide United Fan TV. I'm your host Ellis Gelios coming to you today with a huge match day preview of the original rivalry tonight between Melbourne Victory and Adelaide United. Joined by a player who played for both clubs, he's amassed some 240 A-League appearances in his time, played 40 games for Adelaide United between 2017 and 2020. It's my pleasure to welcome Vince Lear to the show. Vince, how are you doing? I'm doing well, mate. Thanks for having me on. Thanks for coming on. Uh, you're obviously quite busy these days uh, playing for our Tona Magic in the NPL Victoria after finishing up with Perth Glory uh, at the end of last season in the A-League. Just tell us how you're getting on at the moment back home in Victoria. Yeah, not bad, actually. It's good. Actually, quite quite nice to be home. Um, obviously, been away for so long, I've missed... Missed a lot of things, family, you know, family functions and, and friends' birthdays and stuff like that. So it's quite nice to be home. Um, when I arrived home, we were in a bit of a lockdown. So it was, took some, some getting used to and getting used to Melbourne's traffic again is um, not being that enjoyable. But um, yeah, playing now in the NPL, which I'm enjoying, I'm still getting my football fixed. So um, it's going, going quite well and, and pretty busy at the moment, to be honest. We've got an action-packed uh, preview and biographical interview to get through, but I just want to ask before that, 2007, the year that you last left your home, uh, did you miss the coffee much? <laughs> uh, initially, yeah, I did. I was a, I'm a big coffee drinker now and, and was back then, but um, Wellington surprisingly had, had a really good coffee scene. Um, so I got my fix over there, so it was, um, it was quite you know, quite, quite nice to, to be able to, to get my fix. Good stuff, Vince. Uh, we're going to get straight into things. So the game is a 6.40pm kickoff tonight. And if you haven't travelled to Melbourne, guys, uh, be sure to catch it on Fox Sports and KO Sports as per usual. Uh, in squad news for us, very, very interestingly, and contrary to what the club has published, uh, I can tell you that there'll be no Tommy Urich, Yaya Dukli or Yared Smith, which Adelaide United uh, named all three of those players in the provisional squad to travel. Uh, they've all been spotted in Adelaide yesterday afternoon. So safe to say they won't be uh, playing. Noah Smith is among them too. Now, uh, Vince, uh, we've got to start with your old club and your first club in the A-League. You are a foundation Melbourne victory player. Um, they've been absolutely awful this season. Most recently, of course, losing 6-0 to... Crosstown rival Melbourne City. Uh, in my opinion, this is the worst victory I've seen on and off the pitch. Um, we've had board members stepping down. We've even had the chairman recently deleting his Instagram account due to too many fans uh, finding it and uh, launching into tirades of abuse. Um, so considering all that, uh, we've got to say this really isn't a Melbourne victory that you know. Um, you had a fantastic experience playing with them in the early A-League years. And we're going to touch more on that uh, in the later part of the interview when we talk about, obviously, that fantastic championship season that you had there at the victory. But uh, I've got to ask you, how's it all just completely crumbled for them? Uh, obviously, we, we know it's nothing new because last season they were pretty poor too. They uh, finished uh, one place above the Mariners who won the Wooden Spoon. This season, though, it's all just fallen apart to a level that we've never seen before in the A-League, Vince. What's gone wrong? Yeah, look, I, I don't know. I guess um, that's something that the club and, and the players and the staff and everyone involved in the club have to 
figure out and figure out fast. But but you're right in saying that it's not it's not just you know this season's problem. It's been it's been an issue for years. Even the year that they won the grand final, they weren't they weren't very good. They finished fourth and and were lucky and and shouldn't have won that grand final. So that probably and I mean I I actually read something about Archie Thompson wrote something this week about that maybe papered over the cracks a little bit. Um, so it's been an issue for a few years. I think the squad depth hasn't been great. Um, I actually think historically victory have spent a lot of money on their first 11, 15 players. And then beyond that, um, it's not very strong. So this year you look at their team and I don't, I just don't think it's a team that Melbourne victory won or deserve, or it's a club, a huge club, you know, a huge city in, in Australia. And the, the, the squad is not, is not good enough really when you, when you, break it down and then you know the appointment of Graham Brebner I think was was a cheap option for them um you know obviously COVID and and budget slashed and, and all that they've obviously gone out and, and bought some foreign players but then um you know just signed Rebs who was there at the club coaching the youth team who at the time said he wasn't ready and didn't want the job you know and then three weeks later he's you know come out in a press conference saying he you know he's ready and He's looking forward to it. So there's something going on behind the scenes that obviously, you know, translates to, to their match day performances and, and results. Um, you know, they the game, I think they've won one game. That game they did win was two goals in the last 10 minutes against Perth. So, um, yeah, not great. Not not um, great watching either. They're not a team that's playing the brand of football that Victory usually play. Um, their only real danger seems to be just eat up front, you know, if they, McManaman can cross the ball to him and he'll score, that seems their only avenue to goal. So um, it's a bit one-dimensional at the moment, but um, I guess good for good for Adelaide tonight if if that's the way that they're going to play and you can you can stop those two. I think you're, you're halfway there. I think absolutely everyone in the A-League world is going to agree with you on the comments you've made there reflecting Melbourne victory right now. Um, I want to talk about one of their players, Marco Rojas. He's gone down in the last week with a leg break. It looks like he's going to miss the majority of the season. Um, obviously, an amazingly talented player who can flip a game on its head um, when he's at his best. Uh, now, you played with him at Wellington Phoenix. You saw him come through as a young player uh, back in 2009. Um Obviously, you've got some recollections from having played with him and you probably saw ahead of most people that he was going to be a star. Um, so tell us about that and also how big of a loss he's going to be for the Melbourne victory. Yeah, Marco was he was an amazing talent, to be honest. He, he came to training. The Yellow Fever found him. They, they ran a competition and he, he won and they found him. And he came to training and <laughs> he was unbelievable. He was just dribbling everyone. And we were like, pretty in awe of him we were like this young kid's gonna be he's gonna be you know a star one day and it didn't take him long before he was on the pitch doing what he was doing at training and I think the the year that he played I think the back half of the year he played almost every game and nearly every goal we scored came from him um you know so it wasn't long before he moved to Melbourne and then on you know joining one medalist and moved to Europe um you know obviously a different ball game over there Marco's pretty small um, you know, and, and doesn't really like the physical side of the game. He's, he's quite a small guy and, and a tricky player. So found it tough, I guess, in Europe, but, you know, come back and he, you know, lit the league up again. And, you know, he's one that victory need on the pitch playing well if they, you know, if they want to, if they want to climb the table. And unfortunately, he's, you know, I read yeah yesterday that he's got a crack in his leg and he's had a horrible run with a hammy and a face injury. And now he's, Broken legs, so yeah, not good because he's a, he's a great kid. Um, really, you know, really down to earth and good player. But um, yeah, it looks like he's going to be missing for a while. No doubt about it. So Grant Bremner is obviously under huge pressure right now, uh, so much so that he's hired ex-Wanderers manager Jean-Paul Demarini to come in as an assistant. Uh, he's uh, come in uh, immediately. How much of an influence can a strong personality like uh, like his have in the dugout, uh, particularly uh, one week into them being there? Can can it change much positively for Melbourne Victory from your experiences as a player, an assistant coming in? Can it have an immediate effect, Vince? Uh, look, generally, if it's the head coach gone and a new one coming in, you get you get a reaction. You know, players are kind of being put on notice. Uh, things are a bit fresher, and you know you know, usually the coach comes in and says, just go out and enjoy yourselves. 
there's no pressure, blah, 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 the first week. So you get, you know, you get a strong performance on the back of that. Whether that will happen tonight because, you know, he's an assistant coming in to, to help Brebs, whether much changes, I don't really think it's going to do much. Um, Long term, it may help, you know, it may help the coaching staff, um, help improve the group. You know, JP's been there before. He's worked with Muskie, who had success, so he knows, I guess, how to get the best out of some of those players who were there. Um, I don't really see it changing much tonight, to be honest, but it, it may do in, you know, in the long, in the long run. Uh, now, um, let's look at things from the Adelaide perspective. Uh, four wins in a row on the cards tonight if we can beat Melbourne Victory. Uh, these players of ours shouldn't need any further incentive at the moment. Um, are we suddenly looking like a bit, bit of a dark horse for you, Vince? Uh, look, to be honest, not, not really. Um, I think the game against, I think it was, I don't know which it was, three penalties. and Mariners, yeah. You know, Mariners, yeah, and and one. Um, the performances haven't been really that good. Mm-hmm. The results have, and I guess that's that's a sign of a good team. You know, if you're not playing well and you're, you're managing to pick up wins, you know that's that's where teams win championships. You know, because they're going to have periods like that. So I feel like if Adelaide can play to their potential, which they can play much better than they have been, then you know they can seriously challenge. But um, I don't think many people should get too carried away with the you know the results because the performances haven't been amazing um but you know stuff to build on um, and wins breeds confidence so the players probably tonight will be super confident have to be a little bit wary of victory after getting beat six nil you know it's a big game it's an original rivalry um regardless of where people sit on the table it's you know it's a huge a huge night um so that the boys will be up for it no doubt um i think they'll win tonight you know which will help Again, the confidence and climb the table um, if they want to stay, you know, in contention, you know. But I think, you know, I think there's there's a lot of improvement still in this team. Um, but they're going, yeah, they're going well. There's still, obviously, you mentioned all the injuries they have, so you know, still people to bring back into the lineup. Tommy back up front makes a huge difference when he's back. Um, Yaya on the wing, and then the two young boys. You know, at the back, I think Noah Smith's been really good when he's played. He's been a bit of a surprise for me, actually. He's, I know, I know, he's a good player, but the way he's fitted in and and he's looked really comfortable there, uh, I think he's a good option long term as a left back. I do. I do have to say, I agree wholeheartedly with uh, your views that uh, the nature of our performances haven't always been fantastic. Uh, midfield. Uh, now, Carl Veer's been chopping and changing it for some weeks now. Uh, this is a midfield you commandeered not very long ago. How should it best function? You've obviously seen uh, plenty of young Louis Dorigo um, from your time at the club. Uh, there's rumours uh, the Spaniard Juan De is uh, about to join, who you played against and uh, and played with uh, actually recently. Um, and obviously, you know about Stefan Mork too. Um, how should this midfield work best? Do you think formation-wise and personnel-wise too? Uh, well, firstly, if Juan De is signing. I think it'll completely change the dynamic of the team. Um, I think that's exactly what the club need. Someone like him, he's he's a very, very good player. You know, seeing it, playing against him, you don't really see the, the you know, the detail that he has and, and what he does for the group. But being with him in Perth for, you know, six months, he's so important to the way that Perth played. You know, he does all the work that no one else wants to do. He's tidy on the ball. Um, and I think that's what's been missing really in the midfield. You know, you've got... Um, Joey Coletti and Louis, who were good on the ball, tidy and, and you know, ran around a little bit, but they missed that strong presence, you know, really at the base of the midfield, which one day will bring. So the sooner he can, if he does sign and the sooner he gets on the pitch, I think it will, it'll free up a lot of people. Morky is obviously better as a 10. He makes late runs into the box, which, you know, is so important. Goal scoring midfielders and, you know, he's been the catalyst of, most of those results coming, you know, comebacks or, you know, getting goals or penalties when he needs to. And Louis, uh, I think, is just improving again. He's obviously playing as an eight now, a bit more, a bit higher. Scored his first goal last week, so he's going to be confident. Um, so I think the best the best lineup would be those three, one there, Louis and and Stephen Mork. Um, um, obviously rotating a bit, but one there will bring stability to that midfield, which is what I think they're lacking mostly at the moment. 
Very well said. Uh, another player you played with and saw the very best of is Craig Goodwin. Uh, he's just come back, as we all know. Um, you witnessed his magic firsthand back in the season 2018-19. Uh, are you surprised to see him hit the ground running so emphatically as he has done two weeks into his comeback here at Adelaide United? No, nah, not really. I mean, Goody's he's a phenomenal player. He was unbelievable for us that year. Um, everything he touched turned to gold and, and rightly got a move overseas. Uh, hasn't really worked out the way he wanted, but, you know, he's a, he's a really good player, Adelaide, Adelaide boy, and really comfortable, you know, in his home, home state, home city. So, you know, I thought it would take a little bit longer than a minute maybe for him to score his first goal, but, you know, there's no surprise that he's, again, the standout performer in the two games that he's been, he's been back. Um, and I think that'll continue. So, again, with Goody there, one day in the middle, Tommy getting back fit, I think there's, you know, it's a good squad. And, you know, if he can keep playing the way he is, which I think he will, then, you know, Adelaide's got a good chance. We love to hear that. Uh, let's discuss just quickly our diabolically bad record in Melbourne. Is it the one saving grace for the victory tonight? Uh, something they can fall back on perhaps given they're in this crisis? And I've got to ask you, having been inside the four walls at Adelaide United, does this ever get brought up? Uh, do players, does it weigh on their minds at all? Because uh, it's a very bad record uh, going all the way back since the beginning of the league, Vince. No, it was never brought up, you know, with my, my time under Marco Kurtz and it was never brought up at all. Um, I think we actually won there, you know, with him. We won <laughs> we won in Melbourne. Um, I'm going to ask you about that later, yep. Bad results. We lost, you know, a semi-final there. Um, so we've got some obviously bad results over the years, but it's never been brought up. It's not a, it's not something that the players think about. They know Melbourne's a tough trip. Melbourne victory is a tough game regardless of where where the, the, they sit on the table. So um, I think they'll be confident tonight going there, but knowing that it's going to be a tough night. Do you think victory will sort of be talking about the fact that uh, we're usually pretty hopeless in Melbourne? Yeah, you know what? They might bring up whatever they can to get the players confident. You know, coaches use different tactics to, you know, to convince players to believe in what they're, you know, trying to, to get across so I, I you know I would probably if I was a coach and I was in this position I would bring it up I would probably bring up the stats on points Adelaide's earned in Melbourne and mm -hmm. you know results and anything I could do to get my group confident because at the moment they're not and they've lost six nil so I think they they would they'd be silly probably if they didn't all very, very interesting uh, to get the perspective of someone from the inside. Now, uh, you did just mention that game we won back in 2017-18. Paul Izzo had an absolute blinder that day um, away to Melbourne victory. So I want to touch on your memories as a whole um, from the original rivalry games that you've been a part of for both clubs over the years. Um, you played in many of these affairs. Uh, like I said, for me, nothing beats in the last 10 years that game that you were a part of in Melbourne. Um, but uh, I'd be remiss of me not to bring up round two of that same season, Vince, when, uh, of course, you belted two stunners against Melbourne Victory at Adelaide Oval. Unfortunately, we didn't win that night, which was uh, mm. disappointing. But, uh, yeah, a, an absolute spectacle that was back at Adelaide Oval in early or late 2017, I should say. Uh, you've got plenty of memories, though, that go all the way right back to 2005. Uh, talk to us uh, from down the years. What, what sticks out most for you when you think about uh, Victory versus Adelaide, a man that's played for both clubs? Oh, there's many. You know, there's many stories. Um, between those two clubs, I guess I'm pretty sure it was my victory debut against Adelaide, um, and I think it was the game Louis Brain scored after nine seconds. <laughs> you know that that you know it was you there and you're like confident and you, you, the whistle goes and you one nil down. It's not not great, but um, that's still the record as well in the A League for the fastest yeah, ever goal. Um, so then the Muskie Cosmina. Clash obviously gets brought up all the time, which you know is quite quite enjoyable, and it adds to you know the the spectacle of the game. There's the the grand final win six nil for for us at the time, and um, I don't think that record will ever be broken either. Um, and then obviously my, the the game round two when I scored, I never scored 
two goals in a game ever. <laughs> so to score it against victory at Adelaide Oval against like a full house was was pretty pretty special. My first home game for Adelaide too. Um, but yeah, it didn't end the way we wanted. I ended up getting injured that day, and we we ended up drawing the game as well. So that then there's the final that you know we I feel like we played well. Borussia scored an overhead kick in the the last minute to knock us out. So there's a lot, you know, a lot of drama over the years, these two teams, and um, tonight's going to be another one, I think. Just on that game where you scored that fantastic brace, it's worth noting you you didn't enjoy a, a simple goal for Adelaide. Uh, the other goal you scored against the Wanderers, an absolute blinder as well that uh, everyone would have seen watching this right now. Um, so some some great memories, as you say, on the, on the whole there. Um, now, you did say, Vince, that... Um, well, you did give a prediction earlier on. Uh, so I just want to go back to that. Um, how do you see this one going tonight? Who gets on the scorer's sheet? What's going to unfold at Marvel Stadium? Yeah, hard to hard to pick what's going to unfold. Almost, um, not almost certain, but a good chance of maybe a red card. That would be nice for you know people to, to watch. Not a nasty tackle, but you know some drama. Uh, I think there'll be goals for sure. Um, probably Goodwin will score another one. Um, Look, I think if victory can, can be solid at the back, uh, sorry, Adelaide can be so, solid at the back, I think they've got the players to, to go on and win the game. Um, but I think, there'll be, I think there'll be goals in it. Beautiful stuff. That uh, concludes our preview. We're going to get into finding a bit more about the man behind the player, that is Vince Lear, obviously a staunch A-League personality since uh, season one. Um you haven't missed a minute, really, Vince. And um, here you are still playing in the MPL Victoria uh, with our Tona Magic. So, as I mentioned at the top, 238 matches across your career. Um, it's a fantastic achievement. Still going, as I said, uh, you're a Shepparton boy. Um, you started your career playing at what is known as uh, historically Victoria's biggest club, South Melbourne. Uh, four big years there, 51 games. Uh, must have been a real buzz for you to, to kickstart your career as a footballer. Yeah, it was, man. South Melbourne, you know, it's a huge club, huge history. Um, you know, you just walk around the, the facilities, the changing rooms and the ground and, you know, all the pitches were there when Ange Postacoglu won the double back-to-back uh, -back championship, sorry. And, you know, they were in the World Club Championships a few years before I got there. And we had some big names. Paul Chimboli was there, Steve Panopoulos, David Clarkson, Mehmet Durakovic, Hakiz Norbo. Had a really, really good team. Um, you know, and I was a 16-year-old kid making my debut. Um, so it was, for me, it was an enjoyable time. The NSL, a lot of people talk about it, how it was dying and it was dead. But as a 16-year-old kid, it was, it was good for me to play against men, you know, good players, soccer, ex-socceroos. Um, so I, you know, I benefit obviously played 51 games for them at, you know, as a as a teenager. So um, I have really fond memories of my time at South Melbourne. Is there any one standout memory? I mean, uh, South Melbourne, the subject of so many huge moments in the NSL. Obviously, the rivalry with Melbourne Knights, the rivalry with uh, going back probably before your time to the Adelaide Greek club, West Adelaide and um, Adelaide City. And there's been some huge rivalries, but uh, still in that sort of early noughties period, you would have seen um, some very spicy affairs, dare I say. Uh, does anything stick out in particular from your time at South? Um, not really. I guess just personal milestones. My debut, my first start was away to Perth um, at fullback, left back, I think. Um, and against a Perth glory team that was, you know, chock full Talent, yeah, really, really good players, strong men, winners. And we, you know, we drew nil all. So, you know, that that sticks out as a as a as a memory. Um, there's the derbies, the Melbourne Knights, South Melbourne games were always big affairs. And there was one one game we played at Knight Stadium and Mus Madoka scored the winner with 10 or 15 minutes to go. And we went to the crowd and gave them the bird. Oh wow. And we we're all thinking at the time, what are you doing? We're gonna, you know, we're gonna we're not going to get out of this this one alive and ended up after the game in the change room police came in and just said look you're gonna to have to wait in here the fans are surrounding your bus oh wow so you know you have we waited about an hour for the police to kind of get the crowd under control before we got escorted onto our team bus so you know i was like must never scores any goals either <laughs> so for him to do that and then you know make us wait an hour in the change room is something that we don't let him let him forget too quickly oh. um 
so that one, yeah, obviously sticks in the memory. There was a game against Sydney Olympic, um, Greek derby at home. We were 4 0 up after 20 minutes and ended up winning the game 6 4. Um, I think Milicic yeah. was playing that day. Andrew Durante was on the, you know, in the squad that day. So we talk about that quite often with Dura. Um, so there's, yeah, games like that that, that stick out. But um, just my time as a whole, being around the club and around the players as a kid that age was was just something so valuable. You did mention uh, how much it benefited you playing against those kinds of personalities, uh, big-time players from uh, the 90s, obviously Paul Trimboli, Mehmet Djurakovic, Patrick Isnorbo. Um, as a 16-year-old Vince Lear, uh, do you think that uh, sort of really fast-tracked you to, to be ready uh, to play in the thick of it? Because obviously, um, you know, it's very different with how things are now with pathways for young players. You know, it's it's rare that they're sort of thrown straight into the thick of it, although we're seeing that more now in the A-League. But uh, generally, up to now, it's been very rare that 16-year-olds kind of uh, get that kind of baptism of fire. Do, do you think it really, uh, you know, fast-tracked you in your development? I think it did, yeah. I think the quicker you can get exposed to, to that kind of football, the better you're going to be. Obviously, there's clubs, they've got, obviously, they want to win. They want to win games. They want to win championships. So they're a bit wary of throwing too many youngsters in. Um, if they're not ready or because it's ultimately it's a results a results-based industry so you need to make sure that you're winning um, but for me to, to play at that age you know in that league against men and good players um, I think it, it you know you have to grow up real quick you know and back then it wasn't I'm not going to say easy but it wasn't as easy as it is now young kids they're a bit more delicate um, you have to be careful in the way you approach them, treat them, get your message across. It wasn't like that back then. You either made it or you, you didn't. And of course, there was no, you know, coaches just were pretty blunt. Um, I was lucky I had Eddie Krinchevich was quite, you know, quite nice. And he wasn't the kind of coach that would yell and scream. Stewie Munro really didn't either. Um, so I wasn't in an environment really where it was, it was horrible, but you have to grow up because you got, like I said, the players that I played with, they don't accept um, substandard kind of performances or training sessions or attitudes, which, you know, it helps you grow up. And I think it's kind of molded the player that I, I turned out to be. No doubt about it. We'll move on, Vince, to uh, you joining Faulkner Blues uh, for a brief period uh, before then signing on as a foundation player at Melbourne Victory. Uh, in the A-League at the start of the A-League. Uh, obviously, a very eventful two years you had there. Um, firstly, as a club uh, failing, it's got to be said to take the league by storm, but then bouncing back devastatingly the following season to win uh, the A-League, as we know, in what was such dominant fashion. Um, I'll take it playing at the victory holds some special and significant memories for you. Yeah, it does. Again, I was still quite young. I was 19, 20 years old when the A-League started. Um, so there was a group of, of us, me, Adrian Leia, Christian Sarkis, that signed on as, at the time, you had three under-21 players. Mm -hmm. We were part of the Young Socceroos setup, so Mal, uh, Victorian boys. So, you know, Ernie Merrick was the coach and he'd worked with the VIS. So he obviously knows Adrian and Christian well. Um, so the three of us signed on and it was, um, you know, it was different, very different, very professional. You know, the A-League was a step up and... That's the whole reason that the NSL kind of folded and, and the A-League began. We were, we were full-time pros now and um, we put together a pretty decent, de decent team. Um, you know, Kevin Musker came back and was our captain who was a real leader on the pitch, off the pitch, um, but struggled for, for results. We actually started the season quite well and beat Sydney 5-0 at Olympic Park. I think we might have been on top of the league at that point and went one win from the last nine games and finished you know, finished down the bottom. So, you know, everyone was calling for Ernie Merrick's head and um, I guess you we waited to see the next season. If we started poorly, it would have been on the chopping block and we went seven games, seven wins from the first seven games and were, you know, 21 points and I struggled to, to get into that team because, you know, if you're on the bench in the first round, then your team wins seven in a row. Mm. They don't really change the squad too much. So we had a midfield with Fred and Grant Brebner and, Muskie was in there. So it was pretty hard to break into that, that team. Um, so I only played seven games that championship season, which 
you know, it's obviously disappointing looking back and I wasn't in the squad grand final day. Um, and as a footballer, to be honest, if you're not involved on the day, you don't really feel a part of it. So, yeah, I did win a championship, but I don't feel like I contributed as much as I, I liked. Um, but I still, yeah, great, great memories just being around the club that big and watching it grow from the first season to the second season. We moved to Etihad Stadium. Uh, you know, we had a, a league game against Sydney that had 50,000 people to see Australian football grow from the NSL days to the start of the A-League to having 50,000 at your home game. It was pretty impressive to see. Well, everyone, uh, I'm sure, is very appreciative of you uh, opening up and telling us uh, how you really felt about that. Um, I'm sure most footballers will agree with you that, um, you know, if they're not selected on the day, it, it sort of takes away from some of the, the celebrations post-game, I'm sure. But uh, nevertheless, uh, perspective is important, Vince. You were still quite young, as you say, in uh, in a team full of veterans and, uh, and overseas uh, players as well. Um, Obviously, Melbourne Victory, the launch pad, though, for, for what was to come next. Um, a very, very special chapter for you. Uh, you know, I can say I'm sure quite comfortably the most decorated chapter in your career. Um, the big move across the ditch. Now, before we talk about Phoenix and uh, the time you had there, um, in 2007, if someone was to tell you you'd be spending a decade in New Zealand, you would have said what to them? <laughs> Yeah, I would have said you're dreaming. You're dreaming. I'll be there for a year and I'll come back, which is, which is what I what I thought. I guess as a young kid, you you think or you hope that the next move is overseas. You want to play your trade in Europe or you know somewhere, somewhere at a at a higher level. So I, I initially signed a one year contract. Um, I wanted to get game time. I wasn't playing at Melbourne. Um, you know, so it was better for me to to leave and try and get some game time, which is exactly what I got over there. And 10 years later, yeah, you know, almost 200 games for the club. It was, um, it was a good, good time, really good time. Um, so obviously you moved over when uh, they had just been um, founded as a club. New Zealand Knights obviously um, folded. Uh, Wellington took their place. No one really knew what to come. Uh, we know Ross Aloisi had signed early on and uh, there were a few Brazilians signing on too, but no one knew what was uh, going to come with Wellington Phoenix, what they were going to look like or anything like that. Um, now, you started with an absolute bang. You scored your first A-League goal against Melbourne Victory, which uh, I'm sure was a very special feeling for you. Um, but uh, along the way, you made the finals with the club in 2009, 10, 2010, 11, 11, 12, and 2014-15. Um, and some real personal highlights along the journey as well. Um, so really, I'm just going to throw it to you, um, a special 10 years. You, you take us right back to the beginning and, and how special it all was for you over there in New Zealand. Yeah, well, looking back, it was, you know, it was an incredible time. Um, I'll always be a Phoenix fan. I always, I'll always follow, follow them and, and want, we'll want them to do well. Um, yeah, you, you mentioned I, I was a, you know, foundation player. It was, again, going to a new club and, you know, nothing was, nothing was set up really. It was like when I got there, it was me, Michael Ferranti and Ross Aloisi were there. And then Daniel Cortez turned up and he didn't speak English. And, the coach and the all white boys were away. They had a game against Wales, so they were they weren't even in in the city. So we were kind of there for two weeks without any training. We were kind of just looking around, going, "What what are we doing here? Where is everyone?" Um, but you know, it turned out to be that year was was pretty tough. We we didn't put together the best squad, but I guess trying to put together a team in New Zealand after what happened with the Knights would you know was tough to to attract good you know, solid players was, was hard. Um, but we used that, that year as kind of a stepping stone the following season. You know, we brought in some reinforcements. Uh, Jura came across, you know, who ended up being there 11 years, captain the club for 250-odd games. You know, so then he, you know, he brought stability. We, we started to sign better players, overseas players. Paul Eiffel came, Chris Greenacre. Um, Leo Bertos came back. We had started to put together a really strong, strong group of um, Kiwi boys and, and Aussie boys that were there, you know, for the right reasons. We wanted to succeed at the club. And I think that the most special, special thing about the time there was we were all there as young, young men, mid twenties, early twenties without families. We'd all moved across from, from Australia, not all of us, but everyone from Australia had moved across without our family. Um, no one really had kids at the time. 
so we were a really close group. We we all lived around each other. Wellington's a pretty small place, so we lived within five or ten minutes from each other. So we were always together, lunch, dinner, you know, obviously training, coffees. We had ten or fifteen players that were together. So we were we were really, really close friends. So we were like brothers. So I think that's pretty much the catalyst of why we had success those those three or four years in a row. We made the finals. We were one game away from a grand final. Um, when we lost to Sydney 4-2, um, you know, so there was always reasons why I hung around. There was kind of that that aspect to it where we were so close. Um, and then you see, you know, these kind of guys re-signing. You want to be a part of it. You want to hang around because you're comfortable. Your friends are there. You feel like, you know, we're on the right track. Uh, it started to get a bit stale under Ricky Herbert after, you know, the World Cup, five or six years we were there. We were kind of just stagnating a little bit um so the right move for him to move on and then only merit came which at the time i actually remember calling my mate and saying you need to come and help me pack my bags so only merit's coming and obviously released me from melbourne victory and i was like this is not going to end well man but he was so good he you know he was completely different as a as a person as a as a coach he'd learned a lot i've matured a lot um and he was really good. I was one of the senior guys there and, and leaders of the team. So he, you know, he he was really good with me, Jura, Ben Sigmund, you know, who asked our opinions, our thoughts. He always, you know, would, would have a chat. So I had a good relationship with Ernie. And then you kind of re-sign because you feel like the club's moving forward. Ernie's going to take us to another, you know, another dimension. And, and we started playing some more attractive football. We had a bit of success there too. We, you know, we're on top of the league for for a period there and ended up crashing out of the finals with him. But we had put together a good team. And then, you know, I was there by that time. I was eight years. I was there, and then you kind of looking towards the ten year mark. It's a, you know, it's a milestone. I had a testimonial, so it was then a reason why I wanted to hang around. Um, again, another another kind of chapter in the club's history would have you know new coach come in again you know so there's always different reasons why I stayed um so in, on the whole it was a, you know it was a really enjoyable 10 years and um I've got friends for life now from that from that time special memories no question about it um obviously it all came to an end though 10 years after you first moved to Wellington so uh I'm sure everyone watching him particularly is interested in uh why Adelaide? Um, because the season you came here, uh, things were not great. Uh, we'd had a very poor championship defence, um, a lot of players moving on, a new manager coming in that no one knew anything about. And uh, we really struggled to sign players in that initial period. Um, I think Urson Gullum had signed and um, no one followed for a long time and uh, no one really knew what was going on. But uh, then suddenly we've got um, a fierce German here in charge and uh, a whole new list of players. Um, how did the Adelaide move come about? Yeah, so look, I, le I left Wellington. I came back to Melbourne and there was a few months there where I had had nothing. I was, um, I think it was pretty publicised at the time that I, I didn't have an agent. I was doing my own kind of, I just felt like, like the football ops managers and the, and the people involved in clubs I know personally I've either played with them or against them by this point I was 32 so um, I emailed Ante Kovacevic I'd obviously seen in the media that Adelaide had lost a lot of players Eugene had left Karuska had left um, Syria had left all the experienced guys had, had gone um, and I just really felt like I could add to the group you know so I felt like that's what I could bring is what Adelaide was missing at the time had good young kids, but they didn't have anyone there, any older guys there. Taylor Regan was there and Issa. That was really, and Mickey Maroney, but that was the only three guys really there with any experience. So, I, oh yeah, I emailed him and just said, look, I'm obviously free. I'm available. I've got no club. Um, I waited until um, I'd heard rumours that the coach was signed because I know I've you know had messages from clubs before saying, oh, we're not sure. We haven't signed a coach yet. So I always waited until... They'd signed a coach and I said, um, ask him if he needs, you know, an experienced midfielder. I feel like I can bring a lot to your team. And he actually wrote back and said, I'm on the plane now with Marco coming back from Germany. Um, he wants he wants to see you though. Will you come to Adelaide for a trial? 
And I was like, oh, look, I don't really want to come for a trial. Um, shouldn't really have to. No. But I understand, I understand that he wants to see me because he doesn't know. He doesn't know me from about, you know, he doesn't know me at all. He's hasn't seen the A-League. He's got no idea what kind of player I am. So I said, if he's really, really interested in, in signing me, if he needs a midfielder, I'll come. But if it's just like to get me across and then in the end, he doesn't really need, you know, a midfielder, then I'm not wasting my time. And he, he said, look, no, he, he wants, he needs midfielders. He needs experience. He just wants to see how you are, if you're fit, what kind of person you are. So I went, I went for 10 days trained for a week and played a friendly and on the back of the friendly he said yeah Marco likes you he wants to sign you so that was it I was like yeah look keen obviously Marco was pretty tough but he was he was a good guy off the field and you know you could chat to him um he was on the field he was a winner and he was really you know really really tough but that's German German football for you European football um yes I signed for a year and I love my time in Adelaide but that's pretty fascinating. Before we get into the time you spend here, like, um, you know, if you're being told uh, that you need to trial to earn a contract at 32, you've just been at an A-League club for 10 years. Does that make you second guess yourself in any way? Or were you completely sure of yourself in that trial? Because, um, you know, it, obviously your experience that everyone knows what a trial is, but, um, you know, to suddenly think, oh, I've, I've come here on my own accord and I really need to get this contract now, does that um, make you play in a certain different way or you, you just did what you know and the rest will take care of itself? Yeah, pretty, pretty much just did what I know. I, I had the mindset of knowing what Adelaide needed and I said to my fiancé at the time, look, if I go there and I'm, I could not play well, I could not train well, but what I am going to do is I'm going to, be loud I'm going to be a leader I'm going to talk I'm going to organize and I'm going to show the coach what I can bring because performances can be up and down but you can always kind of lead you can always be a pro you can always talk so I, I made sure that I kind of brought to the club or to my trial what what the club was missing and I guess that worked so <laughs> Beautiful. The rest is history. So uh, moving into your time here, uh, you spent the best part of three seasons here, three FFA Cup finals, won two of them. Um, what are your best memories from playing in Adelaide? Yeah, obviously the, the goals against victory will stand out forever. The, the home debut on Adelaide Oval, um, the Cup final win against Sydney, the first one when... Yep. Um, good he scored those two goals and you know you play you play football for those moments you play football for trophies and finals and um so those two memories will stick out always um obviously the next year's final I was on the bench and, and didn't come on but that was another night to remember 4-0 you know and absolutely and we played City to a week before and and lost you know then to then turn up on cup final night and do that was you know was pretty special so um Again, I think football for me, I'll take away the memories, not so much game day memories on the field. It's there's the stuff off the field, the people you meet, the you know, the training ground stuff and you know, the banter that you have with the boys is what people miss and it's what what you remember mostly. You know, the you know, as as good as the football is, the game day atmosphere and vibes are. The stuff you miss and the stuff you cherish the most are the, the relationships with the group. Yeah, no question about it. Did, did you enjoy the city? Would you come back here after, uh, you know, it's a little bit more safe to do so and everyone can travel around again? Uh, did, did Adelaide leave a, a kind mark on you? Yeah, loved it. Absolutely loved it. When we were there at the time, we were actually thinking of hanging around. I said at the time, if I finish my career in Adelaide, there's a chance that I'll, I'll stay because obviously coming from Wellington, it was quite small. Adelaide was a step up. It's yep. Bigger than that, uh, bigger than Wellington. More things to do. The wineries there were were amazing. The city's got a vibrant atmosphere. Um, smaller than Melbourne, so I don't know whether if I came directly from Melbourne, I would have the same view. Yeah, but I was away for so long that I'm, I was used to that kind of smaller city vibe. Um, and at 32, you know, I wasn't going out all the time. I was more had a dog. I was walking the dog and going to wineries and going to the beach. So Adelaide had everything that I needed. Um, and it was just so convenient. It's easy to get around 
we lived in Norwood the first year, which was 30 minutes from Adelaide Hills. You know, so it was pretty, um, it was pretty nice. And yeah, we've got friends there again for life. My fiance worked, so she's got friend, friends from work that, you know, we'll be friends for life. So we'll, we'll be back, back and forth to Adelaide forever. I think come for weekends away and it's only a 50 minute flight from Melbourne. So. Oh, it's fantastic stuff, Vince. Uh, so unfortunately, uh, you did move on uh, early 2022 Perth glory. I'm going to go out on a limb and assume it's because uh, you weren't really in uh, Khatian's plans, albeit his plans did not last too much longer after you left. Um, <laughs> was was that the reason sort of behind uh, leaving? Yeah, definitely. Um, in hindsight, I probably should have stayed. <laughs> he ended up leaving covid I think COVID ended up um, being the best thing that happened to the club at the time because he didn't come back. Um, um, to be honest, yeah, it was not an enjoyable year. Right from the beginning, I could tell that the atmosphere wasn't going to be good. He, you know, he came in and he just created an atmosphere there that was, he was dividing the, the playing group with players playing and players not playing. We were training at different times. And sometimes I didn't see the, the first 11 boys until the Friday, you know. So it was it was a bad culture that was getting created at the club, and um, yeah, he kind of by that point he we had a chat and he just said, "Look, I'm not going to play much." You know, he said, "Look, you've been really professional and you do everything right, but you know, Louis playing, he's playing well, and if we're honest, next season we're not going to offer you anything. So if you want to find something, I understand, and I'll let you go." So then I was like, "Okay, then." For me, I wanted to keep playing beyond that season. So yeah, I felt yeah. like if I left and got some game time, then I've got a better chance of getting another contract somewhere rather than sitting and rotting you know, in Adelaide under a coach that I didn't like and an atmosphere that was pretty horrible. So I opted to well, – I emailed Jacob Burns and they were, they were about to embark on the Champions League campaign and they needed to strengthen their squad. So I felt like – this could be a good move for me. Go there, you know. We'll be, have a really busy schedule, um, and I'll get some minutes. I'll definitely get more minutes than I got in Adelaide. Um, but you know, went there and went to Japan. One game into the Champions League, it got postponed, and then the A League got shut down. So we didn't have the heavy schedule that I was anticipating, you know. So obviously, one day was playing Kilkenny, Bruma. So without without the busy schedule, there wasn't really room for me there and ended up coming back to Melbourne and back to Sydney for the hub. But again, it didn't, it didn't work out as I thought. And then, you know, Gertrand ended up leaving. So probably should have stayed where I was. Oh, look, you can never regret uh, how things go. Football is just a funny game. And um, you ended up still having a, an A-League career that many people will be jealous of. There's no question about it. Uh, you do now find yourself playing for NPL Victoria Club, Altona Magic. So let's talk about that. Uh, sitting mid-table at the moment, you've got a game tonight. Uh, so unfortunately, you'll miss uh, seeing the yeah. late Melbourne game. Um, how's it all going at Altona? Obviously, um, two games into a season that everyone in Melbourne has been craving after uh, the disaster of last year, um, having the league shut down permanently with uh, coronavirus outbreaks. Um Obviously, everyone's uh, the appetite's there now for uh, the game to be back in full swing, and uh, I dare say you're enjoying your time at Altona. Yeah, I am. It's obviously a level down. It's a step down, um, but there's some talented players, talented players floating around in the NPL. It's just the small details at training and and the little things that you do at A League level, or you have to do, or you get found out, aren't really being done. So that that's where the jump kind of comes people find it as a shock when you jump from MPL to A-League that there's all these little details that haven't been taught or haven't been you know coached at, at MPL level but for me at, at my age it's you know it's good it's enjoyable it's, it's still quite a commitment it's three nights a week training with a game on the weekend so I'm very rarely at home now um, but it's it's good it's enough for me to get my, my football fix I, I haven't missed if I'm honest I haven't missed playing in the A-League um, I still watch watch the games and, and I'm enjoying watching it. Um, but I'm enjoying being home and not traveling on the weekends and uh, having the pressure. And I wasn't enjoying, to be honest, I didn't enjoy my last year of football. Um, yeah. So this has been 
been nice. It's you know it's still quite a tough tough league. Uh, pretty physical. You know, there's a lot of players out there, obviously with a, a point to prove. Some want to play professionally. Some are ex professionals who have dropped down. And um, but I've found that the pressure and the the tackles are a lot stronger and. You get a lot of people getting more stuck in than, than A-League level. Um, pretty fiery game we had last week. Um, but we've got a, yeah, we've got a big one tonight against Heidelberg. Um, so we're at home again. Pretty passionate group of fans we have as well. Uh, so, yeah, it's um, it's different, but it's enjoyable. I'm, I'm enjoying my time. And uh, just talk to us about what the future might hold for you, Vince. Obviously, now um, you've got a birthday coming up, uh, I think, in a week's time or so. I, I saw. Um, so uh, you're getting on a bit. Are you thinking about um, potentially go, heading into the coaching ranks at all? Uh, how long might you uh, continue playing at our tone? Obviously, still very much at an age where you, you could play into your 40s if you wanted to. But, um, you know, a lot of players now wanting to start thinking about coaching earlier on in their careers to get um, a bit of a head start. Is that uh, bubbling away there at all? Or what might, might we be seeing of Vince Lear in uh, the next handful of years? Um, look, to be honest, coaching as a career is not something that I, I want to pursue. Um, I just feel like, as a player, you, I've always you kind of moved around or not been settled in where I was. I, I was never sure if I was staying in Wellington, leaving every year. You know, it was contract year, and you can't plan anything. And you know, it's pretty volatile. As a coach, it's even worse. You know, you could get sacked six games into your, you know, your contract. So I don't really want that instability anymore. I'm enjoying being home and, and knowing that I'm going to be home. But I do, I do like the coaching side of the game. So I think um, I will coach at some point, at some level. Um, could be NPL level, could be younger. Um, I think I would get a little bit more out of probably coaching younger kids and, and seeing the improvement that I can bring to them, given my wisdom and knowledge that I've learned over the years. Um, I still have to do my badges. I've kind of started the C license in Perth and it all got postponed for COVID. So I'm waiting... I'm waiting for the next one in Melbourne, which I think is in the off-season. So I'll jump on that and then I'll probably pretty quickly try and do my B and then and then that'll probably be be me for for the foreseeable future. I think I'll coach at some point, at some level, but I don't know when and where. I, I feel like I can still play. As long as my body feels good, I'll, I'll play as long as I can, whether that's MPL level or, you know, MPL 2 could be. There's obviously a team in Shepparton, the GV Suns are playing the MPL 2 which would be nice to kind of get back there. But again, a big commitment with the travel back and every weekend. So we'll just see where things go, how my body feels and if I'm enjoying it mainly, you know, if I'm not enjoying training, I'm about to, to have a baby in June as well, my first. So whether I want to commit to another year of football and not being home, that I'll have to wait and see. Well, a big congratulations on uh, being about to become a dad there. Whatever it is you do, Vince, we wish you the very best. It's been a fascinating chat, uh, a genuine servant of the A-League. Um, some fascinating stories, Vince. I've uh, really enjoyed it. Um, all the very best to you and our toner for the remainder of the 2021 season. You've got a big game tonight against Heidelberg. Wish you all the best in uh, getting the chocolates there and everything else you're doing uh, in the foreseeable future. Vince, it's been great chatting with you and uh, we'll look forward to uh, seeing you come up again in uh, in some headlines. Thanks, mate. I appreciate it. I appreciate having me on and hopefully the Reds can get a win tonight. Beautiful stuff. Thank you, Vince, and thanks for watching, guys.